Welcome to this very special episode of Your Time on the Run, the Hunted Podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me as always is my fellow Brit, who is excited and like a panther right now, Anthony Williams. Hey, hello. And the lady who hopes she can make a wish for her children to stop screaming and attracting attention to the existence of the oubliette, Michelle pierce Ha <laughs> Yes, oh my god, yesterday they were screaming. I was like, what can I do to make you stop screaming? <laughs> I mean, the sound just carries out of it. It's a building yes. fault, really. <laughs> and I'm also very pleased to say that joining us is one of the winners of Hunted UK Series 5, Rob Ellington. Finally on the podcast. It's finally happened after, after well, as of the time of recording, like 15 months after your series finished filming. We've been talking about it since. <laughs> and it's finally, finally happened. Everything has just kind of gone wrong in the past 15 months. Yeah, this is how bad it's got. This is lockdown's got so severe that Rob's like, "Yeah, all right, fine, fine, yeah, whatever." Fifteen months of being mags. No, we worked out earlier. I think it was three days before lockdown started that the finale aired. Something like that. It was about three or four days. It feels like two, three years ago now. God, it does. It seems a long while ago. Yeah, because towards the end of your series, I was in Texas and then in Amsterdam as lockdowns were starting to be brought in in both of those places. And then, I think it was three days after we released our finale podcast, lockdown started. Something like that. Have you been up to much since, Rob? Much as you can? (laughs) Yeah, uh, quite a bit to be fair. I'm now a PE teacher, which is exciting. Yeah, so really enjoying that. Uh, Working in a primary school now. Um, I haven't been able, obviously, to spend any of the money I won, because you can't do anything. So it's all locked away. But yeah, life's been pretty good, thank you. Yeah, that's good. Did you have to do any um, PE teaching um, remotely? I was lucky. So I so once I worked in a supermarket during most of lockdown to get myself out of the house. And then just as it started to lift, primary schools were the first to go back, the younger age groups. So I've not actually done any teaching remotely, luckily, because trying to teach primary school kids through a camera it's virtually impossible, I can imagine, because it's hard enough for a person. Yes, I had to do it. It's a nightmare. Yes. Have you struggled with it? Yeah. This is Michelle's specialist subject, this. Well, I did, I, I did five-year-olds. Five-year-olds over lockdown. That was interesting, yeah. I can't. I, I, fair play to you. Genuinely fair play to you. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got plans on what you're spending your money on? So the dream dream. I would like to go back to Africa. This might sound a bit cringy, so hold out on it. Is a lot of people helped me change my life, so I would like to go to Africa again, um, go and change some people's lives out there first and kind of get some more coaching experience while I do it before then going on to my career fully. So that's hopefully the plan eventually, is to do it like that. Awesome. Whereabouts? Um, over in Ghana, hopefully. So I've been to Ghana twice. Um, the kids out there just the best kids in the whole entire world and to kind of give back something that some people gave to me um yeah would be amazing so that's that's a goal but once Ghana's obviously safe to go to that's where we'll go yeah is it still on the red list or is it amber uh it's it's in between it keeps on fluctuating between the two so africa obviously with the vaccine and stuff like that they're not they're not that far ahead but they also just crack on with life which is amazing at the same time, obviously not good when there's a pandemic going on. So it's waiting for it to be safe to go. What did you do to prepare for Hunted? Did you rewatch everything? I watched every single series. Back once, once we got 
So I got a phone call in London when I was at my old job and they called me up and said, look, you're on. You're the ones we want. You're going to be the two boys of the series. And from that moment till the day we started, I watched so many of the series over and over and over again. Just to watch, like you learn, you pick up on tiny little things where they make little mistakes and stuff like that just to try and prepare it. Ben did the complete opposite, never watched the show, didn't plan on watching it at all. So <laughs> one of us knew what we were doing, one of us didn't know what we were doing at the start. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of planning went into it. So Rob, had you had you um, watched every season like since it started? Yeah, so it's mine and my mum's favourite TV show on telly. So oh. obviously to then go on the show and to get to the end, was crazy for me like that's like winning it was honestly winning my favorite tv show on telly so i watched it and i said to mum are we going to apply and she was like i can't because my brother had his gcse's at the time so i said to ben i said me and you we've got this and we sent our video in and i remember ben saying um we're going to get on with this video because it had tina turner on the backdrop of it it was a really silly edit i'll send it to you later oh, yeah, yeah. channel four um called us and said that is the best application video we've ever received for a show and we just like, we just had a laugh of it rather than answering the questions and being very stereotypical me and him just had a laugh and just edited it together it was an awful edit like a really bad edit but it was so funny that Ben was like oh my gosh I need a month off work <laughs> it was good fun recording it absolutely the tactic that we champion on this podcast generally would be do as much prep as you can. Because uh, how much prep did you do for the chase, Ant? I don't think you did as much as I did. No, no, because <laughs> um, I've got a life. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, my, my view on, on quizzes is, yeah, you can prep, but at the end, it's such a it's such a lucky dip, isn't it, what you're going to get? You know, the, the chances of you getting something you've prepped for are almost non-existent so just keep your eyes and ears open I, I watch a lot of quizzes generally now i didn't get obsessive about watching the chase i knew the format and i knew the rough level of questions so no i didn't go mad on it how would you even plan for the chase i'm like there's so many questions in the world that can come up right my tactic was i had a month between when i found out i was going to be on the chase and when it actually uh filmed so what i did was i had a big backlog because i kind of knew they were probably going to cast me eventually given like the fact I I think it was 11 phone calls I had off them in sort of the space of about two months there was it was one a week at least so I had a, an inkling that they were going to probably cast me eventually from it and I stored up loads of episodes of the chase like recorded I think it was 100 episodes I watched between finding out I was going to be on the show on the September the 25th and then actually filming it on October 25th it's about 100 episodes just to pick up on like themes and stuff that they were constantly asking about and then I could in theory focus my research on that it didn't work because I lost <laughs> as did Anne but I had a fun time yeah, exactly. <laughs> wasn't your cash builder incredible have I seen that properly both me and Anne got nine in the cash builders like you've done yourself proud already right that's incredible yeah, well, that's it. That that's it. If if I'd have gone on and just you know like got two or something, then that would have been bad. And you always expect, I and mean, you will have experienced this as well, Rob. You, you're kind of expecting a social media backlash. Of, oh, I didn't get through. Actually, I got virtually nothing negative. Everyone was like, "Oh, hard luck, man. You did really well." So, you know, I didn't. <laughs> I got loads of trolling, as you will know. 
who is the complete opposite for me. But Ant texted me on the day that he filmed because I, I think I was one of the only people he knew Ant was filming that day. He texted me just saying, you will never guess how I did. Because I was seat two, got nine grand, went out in the head-to-head. And was seat really? two, got nine grand, went out in the head-to-head. And it's like, That's yeah, how do we match That's these maybe things? Maybe more impressive than winning the chase and matching each other completely. <laughs> and I, especially as the show that I did before that was one with him. <laughs> yeah, we did one together. I like that. That was the first time we'd ever met. Was it at Media City when we were going in to film the code? Well, I remember being in the studio and getting my 9K and going, right, that's part one. I've done as well as he did. All I have to do is get back now. Run around, not even winning. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't even bothered. And then the wor- the worst bit of it is uh, when you get knocked out, you you have to kind of stay in the studio behind a curtain and watch the rest of the show being filmed. And my player one had already gone out. I went out. So for the first few minutes, I was like, right, if everybody goes out, I might be coming back. Yeah. <laughs> so. So I'm like, get knocked out, get knocked out, do really badly. Uh, and obviously they didn't. And then I knew whatever happened, I wasn't going to win. And then in the final chase, when they won, I was like, oh, for God's sake, we would definitely have won. It's not even like you can think, well, maybe we would have won. Maybe we wouldn't have won. No, 100% we would have won. <laughs> so it was really annoying. And you've got to smile. And I had to get a taxi back to the train station with the people that had won as well. <laughs> Awkward taxi, that. Yeah, I'm like... <laughs> what did you say your kind of gimmick was going to be in the application process? Did you think about that already, or was it just playing it by ear? So this is how seriously I took the planning side. So we'd done notes and stuff, sat down like our houses before the show started. My mum took those notes to the Lake District and burned them in the Lake District. Now, burning them in Reading would have made no difference than taking them to the Lake District and burning them. But for some reason, we took them all the way to the Lake District because I believe somehow they'd be able to get these papers if they were burnt in Reading. So we were burnt in the Lake District and binned. We took it so seriously. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Did HQ take your mum in or anything and try and interrogate her? Well, my sister is um, training to kind of go in, into law and she sat down with my mum when they interrogated her. And my sister, because she'd done law, was so switched on, whereas my mum was trying so hard not to slip up. And um, mum was very conscious, and she, I think she, I can't remember what she did. She said one or two things, but they were like, is he a Liverpool fan and stuff like that? And we're asking questions. They walked into my bedroom, Liverpool curtains, like a little four-year-old kid, Liverpool bedding, Liverpool scarf, <laughs> Liverpool signed photos. And they went, you don't need to answer that question anymore. We know he's a Liverpool fan. But yeah, mum was super careful, but they got more out of Ben's parents, I think, than my parents. Did your mum fangirl when she got interrogated by the uh, by the Hunters? Yeah, she she loved it. You'll like this as well. So my little brother was revising for his GCSEs when the show was on. When they came to the house, my little brother was upstairs writing down every question, every answer on his phone so they could go back through what they said to make sure they didn't slip up. So he was like rewriting down what they were saying so mum could <laughs> check that she'd done everything right. But they they said like like they heard the Volvo. It actually does actually screech into your clothes. Like it actually happened. <laughs> so my neighbours are looking around going, what on earth is happening? Like I always thought they did that like maybe on the side as like a little effect. They don't. They do it into your clothes and like... My mum, yeah, she bricked it because they didn't knock on the door at first. They kind of peer their head around the windows and she was like, 
because she's seen she knew who the hunters were suddenly these people were inside her house and she's like oh my word like this is scary 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 i would have just <laughs> reveled in the chance to tell them to sod off and not tell them a thing <laughs> being a total fan i would have been just like come in Come in now, hunters. But she knew how much it would mean to me to get to the end, so she was so worried to not slip up. I think she hated the interrogations. Absolutely hated yeah. it. I think every single week we released a podcast in your series, we got a message off your mother just saying how, how sweet it was. <laughs> My mum is like, that was, you know the start of the first episode, they go, and me and Ben go, we are mummy's boys. That was a six-hour interview. The one comment they pulled out of it was we are mummy's boys. That was the first thing everyone knew about us. And annoyingly, it's the most accurate <laughs> comment they could have ever pulled about us. Like, absolutely. I love how I think <laughs> it's the only comment we actually hear about you guys in the entire series is you guys saying it at the start that you're mummy's boys, then Colin says it, and then Sherlock says it at the start of episode six, like he's really pissed off that you guys are still on the run because he hates mummy's boys. Sorry if anyone's a mummy's boy. Right. Guess <laughs> what? After episode one, Someone asked, well, episode two, Ed, and I saw on Twitter going, someone on Twitter going, have Rob and Ben died? And I looked at him for, obviously we're not dead. Like, we're not dead. It's not on the show yet. Like, we haven't appeared yet because we're doing really well. But someone genuinely was concerned we'd gone missing. (laughs) I wanted to reply and go, look, I'm alive. Like, I'm here. Don't worry. But I saw him for, because all they'd seen is I sleep rough the first night, which is horrible, and then gone, Oh, they're not all right then. Something must have bad happened to them. They believe we've gone missing. <laughs> I had forgotten until I rewatched it earlier how missing you guys go. Because there genuinely is the mummy's boy scene, then you shacking up for the night on the side of a footpath, and then nothing for two episodes. Yeah, it's so we so how the start works is you know how like you're based in like a hotel and stuff, you do all the cool shots, you feel 10 out of 10, I can't even deny it. You feel amazing. Walking through smoke is like weirdly the coolest thing in the whole entire world. <laughs> in slow motion. Yeah. <laughs> and they make you do it so many times that by the end of it, you're really strutting, like properly strutting, and it feels really cool. <laughs> I didn't look cool. I know I didn't look cool, but it did feel cool. And you practice like the whole like launch day and going. But then on the morning off, so we were in Basingstoke in the hotel. You're not allowed to talk to the other fugitives because they tell you your plan or they blah, blah, blah. Like, if I really wanted to, I could tell their plan away. And do you know what I mean? I could get them caught. So you, you don't talk to each other. We drove for three hours and stuff, and then you get dropped off in Bristol. But in a proper blacked out van, so we didn't, hadn't seen daylight in hours and hours. But the night before, me and Ben said, in the morning, we'll listen to the Transformers music. You know, the one that goes, da 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 And we were walking around our hotel room, cycling each other up like absolute losers. We always said day one, they would always go for the weak link. Me and Ben were aware we were probably the weak link, so we had to look like we knew what we were doing. So we bolted at the start. Our camera person, because previously they had had um, rucksacks and stuff like the fugitives, we didn't, and they Channel 4 didn't plan for that. Our camera lady was throwing up about two minutes into us sprinting off. That's how quick we went. <laughs> you imagine all of them normally have massive tents on their back or something like that. We didn't, and we were quite young at the time, 23, 24. We bolted, and the poor camera lady had this massive camera trying to keep up with us. And they were were like, you need to slow down because she's throwing up. (laughs) (laughs) 
was terrible. We just met our camera team and she's already thrown up once and then we made buff by the seven bridge that evening. So but the start is crazy hard. Crazy hard. That's the scariest bit by a mile. It did make me laugh the the voiceover man just going, and don't forget about Rob and Ben. They're just sleeping rough. You don't have to worry about them. Worst part was we did that for four nights. Because we were so concerned we'd get caught at the start. I don't think Channel 4 believed anyone would be like silly enough to sleep rough. But we were silly enough to believe that was the right thing to do. So we got to the foot of the Seven Bridge. Because I don't want to... Well, this Basically, we thought we got out of Bristol and across like a bridge to go uh, to into Wales. It turns out we crossed back from... There's a bridge in Bristol that kind of goes from one end of Bristol to the other. And we thought we shaved off seven hours of walking time in like two and a half hours. And we were there singing a song going, we've made it to Wales, made it to Wales. We get to the other end of the bridge and it said Bristol. And I thought, what an awful start. (laughs) We were so confused that they couldn't know where we were. But yeah, it's sleeping rough. I think they looked at us and we did it for four nights and they went, we're like, boys, what are you doing? Like, why do you keep sleeping rough? And we just were so worried about kind of getting caught and proving people right about us not being like the smartest boys that we just roughed it for four nights to disappear because you know the show if you disappear at the start they've got nothing on you at the start that's one opportunity so if you do disappear Mm. that's the time to do it whereas the two girls who you met afterwards said they had a disaster start and i watched it and went girls what are you doing like why are you just running around in circles like where you start like who thinks that's a good idea both yeah i enjoyed the start but very scary what would your plan have been in a normal series where you just had the backpacks as normal in 50 quid or whatever great question um we would have 100 percent i've got a lift out because the hard part right i had to run just at the start of our series i literally ran into the middle of the road and blocked the car and said you need to stop like you have to stop because our camera team drove past us and I tried to flag them down asking for a lift and I went, oh, wait, you're following me. I can't get in your car. <laughs> Again, awful start. <laughs> but eventually I met this poor girl and I jumped in front of the car and said, look, I know you're on your way to a barbecue, but we need your help. But I think in a normal series, had it been the same, I'd have just put distance down, get get in a car, disappear as quickly as possible. Like The more distance you're away, the less hunters are going to be in that location. The quicker you get out of where you dropped off, the better, I think. And how much were you able to explain your situation to strangers, Rob? So we had a rule, right, which was trust them with what you've done previously. Don't tell them anything you're about to do. But if you talk to them and say, because obviously they see the cameras. Yeah. Only if you're in a city, people always ask, surely the cameras are there. They're only on a GoPro if it's like a big area. You'll never know. Like, there's no way you'd ever know that we were, by the fact we look horrendous, and we look like we need a meal that's the only thing that makes us look like we might be fugitives otherwise you'd never guess but normally we trusted people so we would all you can you say you're on the run you don't say you're we're on hunted or something like that you always start off with uh, we're on the run we need your help and depending on how much they help you they then get told about or we will tell them about the show and say look we're on hunted on channel four but otherwise, we don't tell them what show we're on. So you haven't you haven't been told to not tell them. You just don't want to yeah. because in case they yeah, you're not told to like. So 
they always say like you're not you're not forced to you no way you're forced to do it because that's like we're on this show they look up the show they'll give you away like there's no need for that but depending mm. on the level of how much they help mm. you to say some drives you 300 miles and it's a key part of the show they will then we will then say to them look we're on hunted and channel four blah 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 because they've helped you so much but if they only give you like a quick lift you can just say we're on the run but sometimes that happened and this this was right towards the end of the just before we got the extraction details i went over to this girl's car in a service station i said we're on the run and her brother went yeah get in and she went no way she thought we we're actual criminals <laughs> walked off the service station <laughs> and i sat back down looking quite sad with the camera looking at me on um she came back over and went, you're not actually a criminal, are you? I went, no, no, I'm not. Like, I promise you, I'm not a criminal. And she went, you can get in my car, but she genuinely thought I'd broken out of prison. <laughs> I was like, no. Bless. You, do, you do always start with, I'm, I'm on the run. Yeah. It's a sad indictment for you if, uh, if people in the service station just think you're a criminal and you've broken out of a young offender institute or something. Yeah, don't. When we saw our wanted, because you don't get to see your pictures that get taken, when we saw him, I believed I was a criminal. The mm. fact they were called the guy from Home Alone made me so happy. Like, you know, I'm happy. I can't even tell you how happy that made me. But I looked at him for like, they've done us so dodgy here. Like, we look terrifying. Like, terrifying. But you only get the, you never see it until the, the photo comes up on the Instagram or something. What didn't we see? Because I know there was the infamous Liverpool parade. Yeah, that was a cracking day scary day so that was always the plan at the start was one I am a Liverpool fan I wanted to watch the game and I knew even if we went to the parade there were so many people there what I necessarily didn't plan was how many hunters would then go to Liverpool as well but I think the key thing is and it's a weird thing to say if you don't do anything you overthink everything which is a really weird comment but I think sometimes when by not doing much, you think way too into what you're about to do. Mm. So we tried to keep moving. So the plan was always to go, once we knew it was Bristol, was to go through Wales. We got to Liverpool. The parade was amazing. Like, amazing but super scary. I should say on day three, we're in beehive costumes, looking at bees, learning about nature. That is how like, happy we were. <laughs> we finally had our first shower. But then Liverpool was our first kind of like push like back towards them, which was quite scary. But it it worked well. So we watched the game just outside Liverpool. We went to get the train and the train was full and we met these two guys, got a taxi in. Um, I called my friend Dilly, who was going to give me Liverpool shirts to blend in because everyone was wearing red, virtually everyone. And he gave away his location. So he said where he was. I said where I was. And I looked at Ben and I said, Ben, that didn't go well, that conversation, because you plan in your head to do a phone call. It's like when you go to do a talk, you're fine until you're about to do the talk. And then it's like, uh, like, and you panic quite badly. So it's a bit like when I first tried to ever talk to a girl, my voice went high. Your pressure goes to your head like massively. It was a bit like that. So once I realised, I kind of focused on it and said, and this is where watching the previous series helped. I took the SIM card out of the phone as well as the battery, which I think Bob Aylin did or didn't do, which they could meant they could still track the phone. So I took that out and I looked to Ben and said, look, I've given away our location. 
I've told them we're going to Dili, but we're not going to go to Dili now. If they've listened to that call, we can't go there. So we went a different direction to where we were going. And it turns out my two best friends that don't know each other were watching the Liverpool parade from the same point and the Hunters were stood watching them. So it's very lucky we didn't go that way. But then tensions get high. Like that was a hard day. Like that's a one time me and Ben kind of disagreed on stuff. And it really put pressure because he wanted to then make a phone call to someone else to kind of get more help. And I said, we can't. I had this rule, which it was our rule, like never do a double whammy. And by that, I mean, like, I remember Titch or Merv, however you like to call him. His mistake, I always thought, was once he got the money out of the cash machine, you don't then get on public transport because that's two things at once. Mm-hmm. You can do the money, then mm. don't do the next thing. You've flagged yourself up once, don't keep giving them like little breadcrumbs to where you're going. So once we made one phone call, I said, no, we're not calling anyone else. We've got ourselves in a problem here. We'll get out. And we sadly didn't get to see the parade, but eventually we got out of Liverpool. But that was a scary day. We were on Hunter Street, getting hunted by hunters. We knew they were in Liverpool. I said again, if I get caught on Hunter Street in Liverpool, and I don't even see the Liverpool parade because I've been caught, this is going to be the worst day of my life. So I very sadly left Liverpool very quickly and didn't see the parade because it was late coming in. I thought, we can't stay in Liverpool tonight. So we left. But horrendous day. Horrendous day. Should have been the best day of my life, but it was awful. Yeah, because that was the one sighting that I think we were aware of was uh, Stephen Lucy standing in the middle of the, the Liverpool parade. Because I avoided any spoilers for you for your series purely because I'd seen so much in previous years. It was the one thing I knew about and as soon as the cast bios came out and it said you're a Liverpool fan, I'm like, hmm, wonder if he's going to go with that parade. Yeah, so uh, Jordan, the Hunter Jordan, he mes- he was there as well. So he messaged after the show. We got on very well, actually, We're like because he does a lot of stuff for charity. But he, he was in Liverpool, so I know there was four, at least four of them and possibly another two. So mum had just spoken to him two days before at our house and then they bolted straight to Liverpool. So I knew there's about four, six of them up there. But that's that's part of the excitement. You kind of you, you live on the edge a little bit, but it's risk reward. Like going into Liverpool, a million people then leaving Liverpool. How are you going to follow two people leaving when there's a million people also going? So that was kind of our thinking behind it. It's brilliant cover. Genuinely, when I said to Ben, I can guarantee a million Liverpool fans will turn out, he said, right, we'll do it. But watching the game the night before, knowing we planned all week to go to Liverpool, if Liverpool had lost, he would have gone mental at me. (laughs) Absolutely mental. And we walked in one pub to watch the game and they went, we're not showing it. We're Man City fans. I thought, what is this? Like, come on. But luckily we won because Ben would have hated me for that. That was five days worth of walking, hitchhiking, all of that, just to watch Liverpool lose just outside of Liverpool would have been a disaster. Why do you think they didn't show it? Um, I think the hard part was so much happened that day. Honestly, honestly, I think it would have taken half an episode's worth of time because so much went into how it all came about that it was such a long piece. They wanted to do it after the show. Like After we finished, they wanted to... They, message saying that the Liverpool part's going to be in and then it didn't get put in eventually. So honestly, we that's the one day we bickered and I think it's the one time we put our friendship to the test. By the evening, we were fine. 
But I think there would have been a whole other part to kind of re-showing how the friendship then re-came back together and there's a lot more and they knew about the Xbox part. So I think it was just kind of a case of the story is too long to fit into a tiny bit. It would have been a cracker. Like, I can't tell you how good it was. It's nice for me in my head because I know it. But it's a shame no one else knows about it. Because it has become one of those hunted myths was the Liverpool parade and why it was never in an episode. Yeah. They don't even give you sun cream right when you're on the run if it's hot. Like, they don't. They give you nothing. I was so sunburnt after hitchhiking after day two. My face was red raw. And I'd have blended in so well with just my face in Liverpool as well. <laughs> you were just Liverpool ready. You were just preparing yourself. Anyway, I thought maybe a bit of sun cream might be given. No, nothing at all. And then, like a week later, it's chucking it down, and we're on camera, and we look like we're like we're soaked, but we've got the reddest faces in the world. <laughs> we stood there hitchhiking for like five hours. So I never factored in how because my mum's ginger, I burn so easily. I looked atrocious, absolutely atrocious. <laughs> um, question about you being out in the open. Why did you camp in the middle of a field and not on the edge where all the trees and bushes are? That is a good question. That is a very good question. I've spoken like a true mum, that, Michelle. <laughs> just just <laughs> trying to work out the, the thought process there. Do you know how smart you've just made yourself sound and how silly I now feel knowing how beautiful <laughs> that is to work out? <laughs> I, so that place where we camped was a contact of ours and they owned a farm. So it was quite a big plot of land and it was quite a private area. For some reason, I genuinely can't answer that question, you know. Why would we not camp? <laughs> Why? I have no... Maybe you should do it and not me maybe I've done that all along there <laughs> it was so out in the open where we were but it, luckily no cars not many cars came past but yeah I had the same you know the last yes. episode I was in like a tent but I didn't actually do the tent or build it the guy had no tent poles and been eaten apart by rats all my family messaged me the next day going do you not know how to put a tent together <laughs> one, it's a 12-man tent, it's just me. Two, it had holes in it. And three, gave me no poles, but no one assumed that. They went, you don't know how to build a tent, you just curled up in a ball. I thought, <laughs> I can't explain it, but very good question. Very good point. But yes, next time I camp, I will remember not to camp in the middle of the field. I will tuck my away. That was just, it was just weird. <laughs> I just wrote down, what are they doing? It's amazing the little things you've been judged on, but. Absolutely, I deserve it for that. Absolutely. <laughs> You've not escalated to a Michelle stupid yet, at least, so there's still, there's still progression to come. <laughs> no, it wasn't that stupid. <laughs> I suspect if they'd shown the Liverpool parade, you might have got a stupid. <laughs> oh, don't. Oh, God, yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, when you guys told me that that had happened and I was like, what? No. No. <laughs> but on, when you actually think about it, a million people try and find soup. No, it's good. It is good, really. Yeah. It's actually quite smart. Mm. Really, but smart. Yeah. There's there's a couple of tactics we've talked about through the years that we really like. Hiding in plain sight is great. And the whole just 
kindness of strangers approach don't don't get too close to anybody that can link back to you you know find a stranger let that stranger find someone else and all of that kind of thing they're, they're mm. the things we really admire that was so that's actually once we were on on the run that is exactly what we thought about was we can make a network of people we've met and we create a whole like new bubble so any person that helped us one because we genuinely wanted to go back and see them afterwards because if we got to the end we wanted to say thank you like which is obviously like a nice way to do it but two also like if we ever end up like the extraction you never know where that, where that will be so any person we met we took their number address and name so if we needed to we could call them so we had a whole book worth of contacts that if we needed to we could call them because we'd met them and we could use them again but i 100 percent that's one of the best strategies i think you could get as long as you can trust them one million percent one million percent so if you guys only really fighted in liverpool what happened with you splitting up because they portrayed that as being a big argument yeah, so when you get the, the extraction point, obviously I knew location is going to ping. Like, so we'd met these um, uni students who were amazing. The two that said we look like criminals, so we're not going to help you, and then realised we weren't. They drove us back to Bristol from Wales, where they lived, and they sorted us, that guy that was going to drive us to the, the extraction point. And as we get in that car, it's plain sailing. Ben looks around, he's like, the guy's like, I need to get some fuel, and Ben kind of went, you can get some McDonald's if you want as well. So we pull into the garage and his car genuinely, once he put air in his tyre, I think his tyre was so flat that the tyre had dislodged or something away from where it should be. So when he pumped it back up, that meant it was off course. So we were genuinely on the hard shoulder of a motorway trying to fix the tyre. And I was looking at it going, if this is how I get caught on a motorway, on a hard shoulder, like what is that? Like what? Like, how does that even happen? And everyone, like, for some reason, a lot of people looked at it and went, no way did the car break down. Like, that's not a thing. Like, that's all not real. It did. And I was stood on the hard shoulder going, you've got to be kidding me. And Ben kept on going, oh, it'll get better and kept on making him drive a little bit further. It was not getting better. Like, we should not have driven that car, 100%. But he got it to a service station. And obviously, I I know the show very well. So, I knew that our location had been given away. If we got in a car and a car had driven a certain distance, the AMPRs would start to ping. Um, they obviously didn't know the contact, but the AMPR would have worked. But once the car broke down, we were in a service station. We started asking people for lifts and stuff like that to try to get out. The more we were there, the more I knew they were catching up. Now, Jordan, the hunter, told me they were waiting on a motorway bridge a few more miles up from where we pulled into the service station this was after the show so they were right on our tail and me and ben looked at each other and just said eventually it was more a case of we've done so well to get this far like so well let's just split up because they can't follow both of us if one of us goes they're going to think we're both still together we'll split up so i jumped out the taxi and said i'll see you tomorrow hopefully Obviously, it looked like we fell out. I know it did. We didn't fall out. It was a tough decision, 100%. We did disagree. I did tell him he shouldn't have done that phone call in the car park. Do you remember that phone call? This friend, I told I didn't like that. I didn't want to do that. And I think that was the one bit of tension we had was they knew we were there. And by calling a contact, we basically confirmed our location. Like they didn't know we're here. They didn't know what where we were really until we made that phone call. 
So it's more a case we'll split up now because we get one of us to the end. And when I got out of the car, I suddenly realised how far away I was. And that was a moment of sheer panic. And I was like, I got out and I asked someone, I went, how far away is Angles? Like, where, not, I didn't say Angles here. I said, how far away is like Wales and stuff like that? They went, you're not even in Wales yet. You know that. And I went, it's good to know. Really good to know. From that moment, yeah, it was chaos. But that's why we split, basically. Because um, if one of us got to the end, we'd agreed to split the money. And if one of us could have taken the hunters with him while the other one got away, amazing. But obviously, if they followed Ben and I was so far away, that almost was the worst plan in the whole entire world. But luckily, luckily, I wasn't too far. Was it really three seconds at the end? Yeah. So, so the last, the day before the end, I managed. So I walked into that restaurant. Um, amazing manager. Amazing. I looked at him. He was a manager of the restaurant. I thought, surely you're not going to be the one to take me. I just said, look, I've got one day to change my life. I was very honest about it because at that point it was like genuinely like a case of I can change my life now. And um, he just said, look, get in my car, come on. And he was the nicest bloke and he told me so many things about him as a person and it made me understand why he helped me. And he gave me a lift to one place, to another pub. He drove me for about two hours. I walked in the pub, got another lift immediately, which is unheard of. Trust me, you don't hitchhike very easily. And I managed to get another lift. Then I approached his house and got another lift. Because the one thing I found hard, once we split, it was me and a guy camera person. Now, that's really hard when you knock on a door. Two boys knock on a door asking for a lift. It's really difficult. Whereas Ben had, we had a female camera lady. So it was, it was they tried complimenting, if that makes sense. So I got these two, three lists in a row. And I arrive, I'm running down this A road, right? I knew I needed to call my friend Greg to try and give it a chance. I knew I was miles out and I approached this, there was no houses, absolutely none. And I get to this house and I approach the door and these massive dogs start barking. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in the middle of like nowhere here. I'm already scared. Now I'm really scared. And this bloke had a shotgun in his house. How good. An actual shotgun. <laughs> like, and I knock on his door. No one will have ever knocked on that bloke's door before. No one. <laughs> I'm not looking homeless and very rough with a camera and I thought this could end this could end me right now this could be me done but he knocked on the door and he was a scouser and he just went you're right mate I said look I'm on the run I need to make a phone call and he let me make a phone call I called Greg and at that point Greg kind of made his way and I stood on that A road till about 11 o'clock at night waiting for one car. I hadn't seen a car in ages. And at 11 o'clock at night, after four hours of driving for Greg, I saw two beams of light and it was him. And I knew then I had a chance. Channel 4 didn't believe I'd make it to the end. No one believed I'd make it to the end. Really? Yeah, so I looked at maps the night before and I checked it and it said about three hours 50 on current traffic. And that was at mid like midnight. And I had four hours or four and a bit hours in the morning to make it. So I looked at it and thought, that's a problem. That's a big problem. Imagine going on the phone, not getting caught, but not making it to the end. I'd have been the first. Right, that would have been like the lowest point ever, me sat in a bush while everyone else wins. So luckily Greg got there and we drove and it was, it was just, traffic was nowhere. There was no traffic. And we just kept going and going. I took him on every possible like non-A roads, like up towards Anglesey. And then as we get closer, his car started to run out of petrol. I thought, oh, gosh, like really panicking. And he went in to fill up his car. 
I went to go to the toilet and then like he kind of looked at me and said, Rob, you haven't got time to go to the toilet. And I was desperate for the toilet. Nerves. I drank a lot of water because I was nervous. I was desperate, but I didn't go. And then I get to the extraction point with about five, ten minutes to spare. So I arrive at the location. Immediately when I get out of Greg's car, I see the helicopter above. And I curled up into a ball. I don't know why I curled up into a ball. Worst idea ever. Really bad hiding. I should have pretended to be with a dog walker. So I ran away from where I was to try to take the helicopter away. So I ran away from the location. Um, at that point, I finally decided I couldn't hold this wee in any longer. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of killing me. I needed to go. So I started going to the toilet. And bear in mind, I just got a new like main camera person who'd been sent down. She was recording me going to the toilet. And she went, I don't need to record this. So I went, no, you don't. I'm trying to go for a wee. I need we and I'm sorry to be a bit disgusting. This we went on and on and on <laughs> to the point where, like, it kept going and going. The helicopter started to get lower and lower and lower, and I could hear it going doof, 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 and it landed in the field next to me. And still, I'm weeing. I'm still weeing. I was like, why am I still weeing? I need to run. <laughs> and it kept coming and coming and coming. And I was like, oh, my gosh, if I get caught pissing, this is going to be the lowest point. <laughs> like the lowest, lowest. But then it was a case of I know the helicopter's landed. I know the hunters are here. I'll run back towards the location. Now, I got close, and I, I jumped into a thorn bush. There was no gap, like absolutely no gap in the bush. So I dive into the bush, and um, I, t- I tell my camera lady, you get in here with me. You're, like, you're in here. And we were at the back. I was cut to pieces. I had to do a medical check on me afterwards. But Dan and Haley had seen me run down towards the location. So they thought I'd gone early. So there's like a time where the boat would come in. So this is where the story, the three seconds comes in, is they run down towards the location thinking Rob's already there. But I wasn't. I was hiding because I'd seen the hunters and stuff like that. So bear in mind, I'd seen the helicopter in the sky when I got there. I've then seen it land in the field because I'm trying to do a nervous wee. I know they're there. So I hear these two people run past where I'm hidden. I thought it was the hunter's. So I thought, oh no, I've ruined it for everyone. Like I've given away the location. So I stayed in this bush right up until the clock struck the time when the boat came in. So Dan and Haley obviously do their lovely proposal. They get on the boat, Ben gets on. I think the hunters are there. So I think it's game over. So I sat in this bush. Stupidly, I waited till the last minute as in like, so when the boat arrived, I then thought, then I run. I didn't think about running the minute before the boat arrived. I thought about once the boat's there, then I'll run. And I poked my head expecting to see the hunters. I saw no one. I looked at the distance and went, that is so far away where I've got to run to. And I was like, I better get going here. And I started pelting it and I could hear all the, the people covertly dressed the other side going, you've got 10 seconds. And it got down and they ticking down. And we've been told the night before, if you hit the water before the time at one o'clock, you've, you've won. And I heard him go like four, three. And I jumped on three. Now, luckily, they show you the extraction point the day before, so you know roughly where it is. There are three ladders, if you remember it, and you jump between the second and third one. They told me, don't jump between one and two. If I jumped and I genuinely considered it, there was a boat sat underneath that. I'd have jumped and probably broken both my legs. And I genuinely went through my head as I'm going to jump. But I didn't. And it got to three seconds, and I jumped. And I hit the water, and that was when I knew I'd done it. But it was genuinely as close as that. They said three seconds more, that boat would have gone, and I'd have watched it go. Wow. But the car was through the roof, like properly through the roof. Did they mark it with a, a boy? 
because when I was rewatching it, there was like a red boy that it looked like you and Dan and Haley both jumped at. Yeah, so I think so. I'm trying to remember. So the night before the last, so you do get told like a few days before, you kind of get told like, can you swim? So we knew it was going to be a water extraction, but they show you a map of the location the night before because they, you have to know where the boat or whatever's coming in, where roughly, because you don't know where it is. You've never seen it before. So you get told like kind of three entry points, so either down the stairs. Now, I knew Ben would be lazy. I knew if Ben made it, he would take the stairs nice and easy in. Ben knew I would want to be Superman and do the run and jump. So you kind of had three ways of getting in. I think the boy was there, yes, to show you where to jump towards. But, yeah, that you you know roughly where you're going to go. So you then when you see it, when you arrive, you're like, right, I'm here. I'm in the right place. Otherwise, it's a stab in the dark. I would just personally say that you didn't want to interrupt Dan and Haley's lovely proposal. You didn't <laughs> want to get in the back of the, the shot of, Haley, will you marry me? <laughs> <laughs> like, I got on the boat and like we were celebrating. And then Dan looked at me and said, we've just got engaged. I went, no way. Like, Who proposes just before winning? Who does that? <laughs> it's such a baller move to go, we're going to win anyway. I might as well yeah. propose now. Literally. And I looked at Ben and went, mate, we've slept and cuddled each other for a whole month. Where's my ring? I want a ring. <laughs> uh, marry me now. You guys were the only one of the final three pairs not to have a proposal at the end of it as well. Because Ella and Jess did as well. Yeah, I'm still waiting. If, so Ben, when he listens to this, Ben, you know what you need to do? Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> that end though, you re so you redo that end bit you do it once more so you do the run and jump when you do it the second time you feel incredible and then when you know when the boat rockets off the helicopter the, the boat's used in james bond films which is already really cool and the helicopter goes along the water at eye level and Haley's there going slow down slow down and me and ben are going be quiet go quicker go quicker we want to <laughs> have it here and we're there hey, it's the best like few minutes ever they bolted us off into the distance, which you then come back to shore and it's like, oh, it's, it's mad. It kind of reality then sets in that you've done it. And that's crazy. So did you just say you had to refilm the final bit? So the last bit, so imagine like, because the last bit is so touch and go, so mm. touch and go, you obviously you have the GoPro so the camera team don't follow you because the hunters are so near that they won't follow you because they won't give you away because they are literally on top of you. Like, it is genuinely, like, like as close as it looks, they are in the location. They're not. It's not like they're 25 minutes away. They are mm. genuinely there. Um, so they don't come with you for the run and jump. So they record a lot of it on your GoPro, which is tied to you, and it's bolted onto you. Um, so afterwards, you then do the run and jump, just so people can see what you did from, like, a perspective of, like, run and jump to see the distance and stuff like that otherwise you would just see me running <laughs> going <laughs> like that and you can see anything you can see my face and you'd be like who am i watching so you redo that tiny little bit at the end but you're already wet how did you do it again did you have to wait for all your clothes to dry yeah so they get us new clothes they they ask what size you are and stuff like that um but it's quite cool because my mate they'd driven seven eight hours then got to re-watch the end bit so I told him to drive away from the location and he came back and he got to then watch. And it was like, he'd done so much. So for him to actually see the end bit and to see what I just did was really cool. But the second time you do it, you're not 
pooing your pants as much. Mm. You're still adrenaline is still kicking, but you still yeah, it's yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I know I was screaming at the end of that, and I know my husband <laughs> was thinking, "What is wrong with her?" Because I was just going, <laughs> "Jump, jump!" <laughs> it's yeah, I've never felt nerves like it in my whole entire life ever. So, if you had to re-record things, did Dan have to propose again then? No. So you, all you do is you redo the the jumping part. So that's it. So they obviously do their little bit and then step forward and jump. So that was all recorded from the other side. There's a, there is a camera on the boat, which is where it gets that part got captured from. I imagine. Mm. Otherwise, how can you recreate you getting proposed? Yeah, I was going to say, as much as we love Haley, I don't <laughs> think she could have faked it. No, absolutely not. Like So that part obviously wasn't, but it's just a run and jump. It's a bit like, you know, the start. The start is like the million pound shot in my head. So like you don't obviously run out of your camera team, so you kind of run, they get the cool shots. So everything slows down for a minute at the start. So it goes mm. super silent at the start. Like the van pulls in and you're there and the clock starts ticking. Like it, in your head, it's like silent. You're not seeing daylight for three hours in this backed up van. Then you hear the helicopter going doof, 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 doof at the start. And then suddenly it's like bang, you go. So, and that's what, so the cameras are then set up just to make sure the start is properly captured. It's such an important moment. The start and the end is so important for like how all the stories go that you kind of make sure the shots are all there. And are there, are there any points during the show where your camera person says oh we just need to get another shot of that or could we just could you say that differently or can we get that from another angle or anything like that yeah so so you do video diaries each evening and me and ben were very different so i'm a waffler you might already tell based on how long i talk i waffle quite a lot ben doesn't so sometimes i would say something in too long of words like string together and they want it shortened down so they go look i understand what you're trying to say can you just shorten it down a bit and it makes sense because if they want to put it in the show they can't obviously have me talking for five minutes who wants to watch that <laughs> i want to watch it no one else will want to watch it <laughs> so ben was quite short so sometimes you kind of get asked to kind of what do you mean by that and they they push you for answers you still say what you said and you still mean what you say you never say anything you don't mean but you do sometimes have mm-hmm. to kind of shorten it down just so it works with the tv show yeah yeah if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But they never they never force you to say anything you don't want to say. It's never like that. There's a lot of time, especially in the evenings, is where you'll do your reflection time. So I'm quite an open book. So when we split up, I got a new camera person sent out to me. So one of our camera team went with me, just him on his own. And two of us went and Ben stayed with the person that we were with. Now, Ben had built a really good relationship in terms of like opening up and talking to him. He got on really well with him. So he felt more comfortable to talk about how he was feeling and stuff like that. So they kind of, it's really good. The camera people are amazing because unless you're comfortable around them, you won't want to tell them how you're feeling. So it's super sensitive, but they're really good with it. The camera crews, I can't even sing their praises high enough. They're so good at what they do. So good. How's Ben doing, by the way? Yeah, he's doing, genuinely, the show was the making of him. Like, it for me as like a, a best friend it is incredible to see we both doubted ourselves genuinely like we both had hard times at school and stuff like that that was all like really true and um he's now gone on to do like an intensive plumbing course he's now a fully qualified plumber he's got kind of like a university level qualification and 
he never believed he could do something like that. To so to see your best friend look at something and go, we, "You're doing it. You're doing amazing. Is incredible." Like, and that was like the day after we won the show. We were both and us. I was saying like, we were so emotional, like so emotional. Like you don't expect two grown men to be quite upset about things, but when the realization sets in that you do something you didn't think you could do, that's incredible. Mm. And Ben now to watch him, and I'm seeing him tomorrow, like to see him go on to what he wanted to do and make a life for himself. He's just bought a house. Like, he's doing incredibly. And it's, Hunter was the making of him 100 million percent. Did you think you'd win? I mean, being a fan, I mean, you must have had some tickets on yourself that you thought, well, I think I can do really well because I know I know the show. Yeah, so interestingly, and this, this was one of the fun bits. So before, when you meet, you don't obviously talk to the other fugitives when you meet them. In the training days, like, so they talk about, like, you're not allowed to, like, chuck rocks at drones and stuff like that because it's <laughs> dangerous. And me and Ben, that was all we cared about. Are we allowed to do that? The second they said no, we kind of switched off from that whole training part. <laughs> we weren't bothered anymore. That was the one part we wanted to do. But during the training part, me and Ben weren't listening. We were just looking at the other fugitives, eyeing them up, like, going, what are they going to do? What are, what are we going to do that's better than them? And you spend your whole time thinking about what they're going to do. And um, I think I think once the Xbox game chat, we were super happy with as an idea. Like, And I think stuff like that, when we knew we had a good plan, like they, we knew they'd know where we were roughly, but they wouldn't know what we were going to get. And by going onto bikes, they then didn't know what they were looking for, which is so important for how we got on in the show. So I think our actual game plans were perfect. We had it well sorted. I think it was just the first few days were where we thought if we get caught, it'll be now. Did you get any pushback for doing the Xbox Live idea? No, no. So when so we said to them, we want to use Game Chat. We said very openly, we know they can't intercept it. We know they can't. Um, so they they were fine with it. Like the second we said we wanted to use the Xbox, they said absolutely fine. Now, we made the phone call. The Xbox game chat was obviously super clever. We made the phone call to make sure Charlie, his brother, was online. Now, a lot of people looked at that and went, why on earth would you make the phone call when you're going on Xbox? Mm. Already, 100%, I understand that. It looked like that. I understood all the tweets and stuff. I completely got it. But if Charlie hadn't been on Xbox then what are we doing? Like, why are we there? The quicker we get in and out of our hometown, because the hunters are circulating it all the time. Like, they followed my mum to church every Sunday in case she in, went off a different route or something like that to meet me. So we just called in to make sure he was online. And once we were on the game chat, we knew they can intercept it, and then we were all away. So I think they were they loved the game chat idea. I think everyone liked it. It was smart. It's probably the smartest thing we've ever done, if I'm honest. <laughs> but, yeah, there was no pushback on it. Absolutely no pushback. They were absolutely fine with it. That was something we said before we went on. That was something we wanted to use. And they they casted us as part of that, I think. Yeah, because we know from previous series that they aren't brilliantly happy with stuff like WhatsApp voice call. So I was interested when, obviously, it aired that you guys were allowed to get away with doing VoIP as well, but on Xbox Live. Yeah, I think, I think obviously, I imagine the hunters were pretty fuming when we used Game Chat. Like, very annoying. 
Like it's really annoying. You you know where we are, but you can't listen to our conversation, which is why we really enjoyed it. But there's definitely like some ways of communicating that you kind of like it has to be everyone knows it's a show. We all know it's a show. So that's why they were they could as in the camera crew, our camera crew recorded the conversation when Ben chatted to his mum. That was all recorded and that was fine. The hunters would never get that information, but the conversation has to be able to be shown to the viewers. Otherwise, it makes no sense because you, you as viewers will go, well, how have they just done that? When you said you were going to use Xbox, is that what you told you told production you might be using these sorts of things to communicate? Is that is that Did that happen before it began? Yeah. So when we did our application video, which I'll send to you, we said something along the lines of we'll stream live gaming on the run, but they knew we wanted to use Game Chat and they knew we wanted to do that. That was one of the ideas we had. So when they interviewed us to kind of think, are these boys going to go on the show? They said, how will you go on the run? We said, we want to use Xbox Game Chat. That's something we mm. want to do. So we said that and they casted us and then we knew because we said it and they were fine with it, we could use it. So it was never like, it wasn't like pre-agreed, like this is what we will do on the run. That was something we came up with and we said, we're going to do that. And that's, yeah, that's what we did. Mm. I think the distinction between that and something like the WhatsApp voice call that Joe and Dem used and got sold off for is they knew your location at the time. Yeah. So it then gave them something to work on rather than just being a complete blank slate. Yeah, which... That's the hard part is because obviously like you lot, I'm a massive fan of the show. I now understand having been on the show that it has to be able to be shown to the viewers to understand how that all works. Now, if it doesn't, people don't link it together and it doesn't work. People then question the show's integrity and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And actually it's all as legit as it looks. It just has to be able to be shown to the viewers in a way that they understand it. Otherwise it doesn't work or the hunter's story doesn't align with the fugitive story and it all becomes quite separate so it makes sense i understand it but yeah they never make you do anything you don't want to do we always chose what we were going to do and we chose when we were going to do it did you ever feel like the hunters were that close behind uh yes yeah yeah massively there was there was one time in a place called hay and why where really annoyingly and this is mental, like you would not believe this is a thing. If they'd shown it on TV, you'd have gone, like, what the hell? Like, how have they worked this out? Now, we were in Shrewsbury and we've been hitchhiking rounds. And we're walking in Shrewsbury. We went to like this really nice hotel that was going to give us like a spa day, the whole lot. Amazing. But they wouldn't let us record on the ground. So they said, the Channel 4 said, look, you can't stay here because if there's a key part of your story, blah, 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 the viewers won't understand it. So we then walked into Shrewsbury Town Centre rather naively. And as we're walking around, it, it started to feel really tense. Like we started to feel a bit on edge. And we were about to get a taxi out and Ben saw this accommodation. And we went into this accommodation. Um, I spoke to the bloke that owned it and he put us in the executive suite. Amazing, amazing bloke. We found out after the show, the hunters were also in Shrewsbury at that time. They had no idea we were there. We had no idea they were there which was crazy, but even more mad that they were stood on the doorstep of the pub we were just gone inside of, which blew my mind when they told us. Because imagine if we got caught 
everyone had gone, how on earth are the hunters where they're out? But the hunters have to be somewhere. And people sometimes forget that they are living at the same way we're living. Like we have to be somewhere, they have to be somewhere. It just so happened we were in the same spot at the same time, but neither of us knew each other were there. So they were literally still on our doorstep. And that is literally what we were told Like after the show. You boys don't know how close you were to accidentally being caught. Now, if we had carried on walking, they'd have caught us there and then. But they didn't know we were there. When we heard this, I thought, are you mad? Like, imagine being in accommodation. And if we'd gone back outside the front door, we'd have walked straight into the hunter team. They didn't know we were there. And I thought, like, that's a, like, it's crazy to think how close they actually were. But you did not know they were there. Uh, which I thought was mad. When they told us that after the show, I was like, that would have been the craziest bit of luck I've ever heard in my life for the hunters. Would have been really hard to show that in the show, wouldn't it? How would, how are they going to explain that? <laughs> oh God, just meeting at a doorstep. Like, can you imagine? Oh God. <laughs> you guys would have had a field day on that. You'd have gone, right, what's happened here? How's this all gone? But we heard it and I thought, like, you're having me on. But from there, they then somehow managed to cotton on to cotton on to us in Shrewsbury because obviously they were looking there for some reason now the reason they were looking there which is the only way I probably should have said this was when you get close to the extraction point part you naturally I think everyone thinks if we get central UK we can then go north south east west quite easily the hunters think the same and I never thought about that so they all start to get close to the middle which is why somewhere in Shrewsbury and from there, they started to pick us up on CCTV, followed us all the way down to Hay on Wye and stuff like that, to the point where there were helicopter searches going on around Hay on Wye. They're really onto us. And then we managed to just slip out into Bristol before the end. But yeah, that was the closest they were, but we never knew they were there. And they never knew we were there, which is crazy. Super lucky. Also super crazy that it even was a thing. That's just nuts. I, I can imagine that airing on TV and just hearing Michelle frothing at the mouth <laughs> I mean not even on the podcast just when she's watching the episode you can hear the anger from 15,000 miles away. I would have been fuming as well watching it if it had been me watching I'd have been like this is rigged like what on earth but they have to be somewhere they have yeah. to like you never think about that you a good shout. and like weirdly it was just potluck on the day with both in Shrewsbury because extractions looming all kind of every fugitive kind of dawdles around the middle of the UK which for anyone going on the show my biggest advice is don't do that don't do that <laughs> they 100% the hunters just circle it and they're just ready for when you pop out left right whichever way you go they're all sat there so we disappeared all the way back down south just to kind of get off mm. yeah that would have been mad <laughs> did you like the way you were portrayed we I think we we're really lucky I think we're really lucky. We, I was, so you get trained before you go on the show, you have like the same psychology test as um, the Love Island lot get. And they check your, like genuine, I don't think many people could do hunted. I know that's really like mean to say. It is mentally so draining. Mm. But mm. the biggest worry is how you're going to get portrayed on telly. Genuinely, yeah. it's, there's so much footage they could show. There's so much they couldn't show. You never know what they're going to put together. When actually... We had some lovely moments at the start. I know it was only brief, but it was quite sweet, cuddled up together, thinking about our mums. Like, that's really nice. The Xbox game chat went down really well. People loved it. And at the end, we did it from a mile out. And we were very fortunate there wasn't ever really a time where it was like, 
what are these two Muppets doing? So mm. there were many moments they could have pulled us out on, but actually we came across really nicely, I thought. Mm. Lovely. Yeah. Well, family and friends said, they said you were, which was nice, everyone said you were like a credit to the family, which was the biggest thing for us, was we just want to make family and friends proud. I think you did. Even with the prospects of a calendar on the uh, on the horizon, I think you still made your families proud. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Being, it was like it was important. So I never swore once because of going to like church and stuff like that. So I was so conscious I didn't swear. My mate Greg, who picked me up on the last day, also goes to church. First word he said, he swore and went, "SNL, that's a long way to go." And all <laughs> the church lot went, "Rob didn't swear the whole series. You swore on the first second you got an opportunity." <laughs> so hilarious, but no, we got portrayed. I thought we got portrayed really nicely compared to yeah. what it could be. Definitely, definitely. Mm. Is there another show you'd want to do? Great question. I think any show I want to would want to do has to be challenge based. So Hunt is amazing because it's it's a challenge. It's real. It's super tough. So something like SAS, I'm nowhere near fit enough. Like nowhere near. But that kind of show. Race across the world would be amazing. I speak to the last two winners quite a lot, um, Iman and Jamal, quite a bit, and they say it was an amazing experience. But I think Hunted Hunted's just the one, isn't it? Really, like Mum's banned me from ever going on Love Island, which I fully understand. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm not, yes. I'm not good looking enough to yeah. also go on that show, so I already well, know. Well but yeah, I think any challenge I'd do it. Not a quiz show because I'm not as smart as you lot. No way, I'd become a tit on TV very quickly. <laughs> you should do Race Across the World with your mum. Yeah. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. But it's not, it, Hunted was amazing because I was, I was a fan of the show. So like you lot, I asked the questions in my interview that you probably would love to ask the casting team. So they asked me if they got any questions. I said, look, sorry to be cheeky. I just watched a series, you know, with um, uh, the, the two brothers, Harry and, and Frank. Frank. Yes. And that's it. And the two others towards the end of that series, I asked about that. I said, was that rigged? Because everyone got caught. And they explained it to me how that all happened, like in terms of like how actually the hunters got the information and how it all worked. You never saw how it all pieced together properly. But the lad on the bike that gave away the location, that ruins it for everyone. Mm. And from that moment, you don't see how hard the hunters then work and they've got you from that point. So... I've been fortunate enough to ask questions that, yeah, probably quite a lot of people that watch the show would love to ask. Mm. Hands down, I think that finale podcast for Series 4 is probably my favourite podcast we've done of Hunted because it's such a different episode because obviously the Hunters win rather than uh, rather than anyone actually escaping. It's such a different episode to actually talk about that I think it was a really interesting one for us to tackle. Yeah. And I think it makes your victory even sweeter knowing that the Hunters won the last series. Yeah. Like to win it off the back of no one winning it. Because I, like you lot, I was fuming when no one won it. <laughs> Someone has to win it. That was always my head was, oh, Harry and Frank will get to the end. Like it's definitely going to happen. And when they didn't, I was like, oh my days. Like no one's got to the end. But yeah, I think, yeah, definitely winning the series because I speak to Bob and Alex quite a bit. Like, they're very nice. They've been amazing since we won. Like, to follow on from them is a privilege. Like, those two were my favourite too. Most people, it's their favourite too. But he's mad. Even think about it now. Seeing your name on... It sounds really weird. To see your name on Wikipedia as a winner is weird. 
basically. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's one cool, like, it's really, like, really nice and cool. Yeah. Especially if it was your favourite show. Yeah. You know. That's the part, like, I've watched it, like you lot, I love listening to your podcast and stuff like that. It was also, it was really fun uh, listening to your podcast. When the show was on, it was funny listening to what you were saying, because I knew... <laughs> I knew the answers, but I thought I like the fact you're talking about it because I want to see if you can get to what you think's right. So I never wanted to give anything away. I know I messaged you a few times, Michael, but like I didn't want to give too much because it's interesting seeing how you lot all work it out. Yeah. Were we that wrong, Michelle? Because you listened back to all six episodes uh, yes. over the past 48 hours. How wrong were we? Because I feel like I remember us not being that wrong. We, we weren't that wrong. I think it's because we've watched it so much now. You know, we know the ins and outs a lot. I think sometimes we don't know certain things and I think we won't because it's the rules and it's what the actual contestants have to, to know, like how many passwords do you have to give and, and stuff like that. We're always talking about stuff like that because we never know the nitty gritty. But otherwise we seem to have it all right. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think you, you, you'll be right with the passwords, I think. And I'm happy to say this. Like, I always wondered how they replicate it when they say replicate the power of the state. Now, if they ask Facebook for your password, Facebook would obviously, within, within a certain time frame, would give that if they were hunting like an actual terrorist. And that is how it's done. So if they ask for someone's password, that time frame stays the same. And mm. then the password is given to them. So this, it's all replicated perfectly to represent what it would be which is like, it's very interesting how they do it, but it's like the exact same as what it would be if they genuinely went to Facebook. I need this password. We're hunting this person for real. Like, mm. so it's really, well, it is spot on how it's done. And I always wondered that the passwords and stuff like that is very like, it's perfectly done in terms of how it's represented. Did you get rid of a lot of stuff? Like, did you, you know, you see people on Hunted, um, search in their search history, looking up campsites, or they've written on a piece of paper someone they might go and see. Did you just destroy everything? Everything. Like, I think this is where we started off really well, was when when we started to plan stuff, like I said about the burning of the papers and mm. stuff like that, there's no point to, like, there's no point to take it to electricity, absolutely not, but get rid of it. Like, do you remember... The lad that went through the the valleys in Wales, uh, the marine, um, was it Matt? Matt? Matt, that's it. Like he his was like imposed under the sheet of paper, right? Am I mm. So like yes. that is how good they are. So like if you're planning stuff, don't leave it at home. Like you know they're going to go on your phones. You know they're going to look at your laptops. Don't do it. If you're going to do it, you know not to do it on your own personal belongings. Mm. Like just don't do that. So hmm. I was clever. Like you can do clever stuff. Like I texted my mum the night before we started. I said, "Mum, it was it was a nice message. I genuinely mean this." Before I say it, I like I didn't not mean it. I said, "Mum, you're amazing. Like I appreciate everything you do for me. I'm really gonna miss you while I'm on the run." Like I meant it. At the same hmm. time, I knew then they'd think I'd go home to my mum because they know I miss my mum and stuff like that. So you can kind of play them off at their own game. So you can hmm. leave a little bit. But don't leave anything, like, if that makes sense. Don't leave, this is what I'm going to do, this is my plan. Like, I did the London Marathon just before the show. And my legs, when they tried to cast me, they went, are you going to be able to run? 
I said, I promise you I'll be fine. I couldn't walk for weeks. <laughs> I shouldn't have done a marathon, right? I didn't train for it. I rocked up on the day and did it. Oh, God. You sound like something I would do. I do crap like that. Don't train. <laughs> it was a bad idea, a really bad idea. And I got to marathon day, I did it. And then the series, like the main cast, was like, I want to come to your house tonight to meet you and Ben. And he looked at me and he was like, you can't walk. I said, I know. I dropped to a marathon without any training. So I had a map of how to get to the marathon start line. I didn't think anything of it. But when that was just left in my room, but when the hunters came, they found this map. And we're like, this is it. This is the one. And they took it back to HQ. It was purely my map to get to the start line on the race day for like a month ago. And they took it and were like engrossed in it, apparently. Like, what is this? Like, he's playing like the tube line to get at this, like, they were thinking I was going to do that. If they'd looked at the marathon, they'd have known it had been the marathon that I'd just done. But they they pick up anything. If is they hunt you all hours, like they will look into every single thing. There's a massive thing about once you get casted, you don't reveal yourself because they genuinely want to win that bad that if they knew you were probably going on the show, a hundred percent they'd start. If they want to know who you are, they'll already be starting. Everyone wants to win. We'd all do that. And, um, yeah, so they find little sheets of paper that mean nothing to you. They genuinely mean nothing. And they go, that's a big plan, that. 100% will take that. Back to HQ. <laughs> and I look at it and go, it's just me getting from Wimbledon to the start line of the London Marathon. That's all it was. But it was just like, they look at it and go, must be something. But, yeah, never leave anything. I think that's the key thing. Plan enough, but don't plan too much. Because, one, you don't know where you can, where you start. So you can't plan too much. Because otherwise you, you you overdo it. But have a few ideas in your sleeve to kind of push you away. Because I always say the hardest part about Hunted is one mistake, you're back to the start in terms of they're back on you. And all your hard work, you could do two weeks of amazing work, one bad day, you're back to the beginning. So you, you have to stay on it. So maybe have like two, three things in your sleeves. Otherwise, don't plan too much because otherwise you'll just get caught out. I'm interested. How would you guys do it if you went on? You might have answered this before. I've always been interested. Uh, that's a great question. I, I'm a massive fan of don't have a plan. Just get up in the morning, see where you feel, find a stranger, see where they can take you, and just just literally just hope that randomness would help. That That's my way of looking at it. Nice. We were saying this earlier, Rob, but if I was ever unhunted, I know I would get targeted minute one by all the hunters just to prove that they would be the ones to catch me. I am a massive planner to the point where I would get caught purely because I am a massive planner and I love I love like having notes and stuff. So I would be awful at it. That's one of the multitude of reasons why I would get caught if I was unhunted. Yeah. What about you, Michelle? I would plan... I would plan. Um, I would have paper, but I would take it with me and make sure I didn't leave an indent on anything at home, write on a glass table, that sort of stuff. Just I I wouldn't use, I would tee up friends of friends before going on. I'd have to use phones from random people at work, stuff like that. So I'd have a total plan of who I could use but you know what? I have such a weird, weird friend base that they wouldn't be able to track who I would go to. They're just—it's just bizarre, my friend base. So, yeah, I think I'd be pretty good. 
To be fair, Michelle, you've spent the past decade hiding from the authorities uh, with your children in a new bed in the garden, <laughs> so you've probably got an unfair advantage on us. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so we had one thing um, that worked really well. So when we kind of thought about who we put down, we tried to cover as many areas of the UK as possible. So we always thought about different people. So we had like one person for like, it sounds really sad that we did this, but we had so many contacts in different spots because you don't know where you're going to start. Everyone kind of puts their close friends close to home. If you do close friends close to home, they're going to be all over you. Now, my friends had a, we had a messenger group and they changed it to call all their names to Rob Ellington. So when my phone was pinging off, it's Rob Ellington, Rob Ellington, Rob Ellington, Rob Ellington. To the point where we've had this chat right for years. Hundreds of you deleted the chat. We've had this chat since we were at school. So our new chat is called Hunted Killed, the Moose's Life Saving Gamble, because they deleted our main chat. Which I thought was hilarious, but... <laughs> it's definitely like a lot of people are tempted to put lots of friends close to home when actually when you think about it you maybe need one good person at home if that two mm. people if you have loads of them you can't you're never going to stay there the whole time otherwise you've got some kind of death wish on you that you, you're going to get caught so we had one mm. one or two people for as many areas as possible around the uk neither of us knew anyone in scotland so we never went to scotland and one would neither because we'd never been that's like going into unknown territory. We had no idea it was in Scotland, so we just never went. But we tried to cover as many areas as possible. The one thing they couldn't work, so a bit like Alex and Bob, I obviously go to church, and churches we could just rock up to on the day, and they were amazing. So we'd go to a church, and they'd just take us in. And they'd offer us for like a three-course Sunday roast meal, which is amazing, and then they'd give us money. And just like Ben kind of looked at him and went, Rob, if church is like this, I'm going to come to church every every week. <laughs> He's got in his head a three-course meal and a Domino's for dinner, which is never going to happen every week. But people, I think like you said, Anne, like, strangers are genuinely incredible. Like often yeah. you get one or two that obviously will show after you maybe, but genuinely, genuinely, they're incredible. Like Ben in that taxi ride, the hunters called the taxi while he was in the taxi. I don't know if it was shown, was it? I can't remember. Yeah, it, it was in the show, definitely. Yeah, so, and he got offered money down the phone. And this bloke had only just met Ben, but he still wanted Ben. And that's what's nice is everyone actually wants you to win. Now, only one, we were on a roundabout once, and this lorry swung round, and it came back round. And he, he looked at us and just went, you two are on Hunted. And I went, how do you know that? Like, no, we're not. We're, we always said we're uni, like everyone has their own little lie. We're uni students doing some report. No, we weren't. It was very clear. And he went down a lift. He said, no, no, no. And we, he went off and we bolted for like a whole day. We just pegged it for no reason, really, other than the fact we thought he'd dub us in. But people genuinely are the reason you get to the end. And I stand by that. Like your friends and that that you use, of course, they can help you a lot. But the ones that get you to the end are the strangers that, we got a hitchhike lift from South Wales and they, they were going back to Northampton. And this is an amazing story. Like, and it started off quite sad. So they said their son used to hitchhike and um, he'd sadly passed away. But they saw us hitchhiking and said, you're, you remind us of our, our son. And they were going to drive back to Northampton. And instead they went from South Wales all the way to North Wales, drove us 200 miles out of their way. And this was before we were wow. sleeping rough. We still were sleeping rough at this point. And I thought that's enough. Like you've driven us 200 miles. You've not paid anything. 
He went into the petrol garage, bought us a meal deal, like three meal deals each. He bought us a lighter and went, boys, go and make a fire tonight. Keep yourself warm. And here's some money to keep you on your way. So people kind of go above and beyond, like, and you don't expect it. And it's... it genuinely like it makes you feel incredible about people. Like you get to see so much bad stuff on the news, but ninety nine point nine percent of people would drop anything to help you go on the way, which is what we found. And people, yeah, they're the reason we owe it to all of them. So after the, sorry for talking loads, by the way. No, it's fine. It's what you're here for. No. <laughs> I have realised that we've probably recorded for longer than you were actually on the show. Now. <laughs> 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 Mate, we only need about 15 minutes for that. We were fast straight away. No, so after after the show, so what we'd done, obviously we took everyone's name down that helped us. So just before the series went on TV, me and Ben drove around most of the people we managed to see um, and went around and just said, look, you might not be on TV. The chances are you won't be on TV because we're hardly going to be on TV. But thank you for playing your part. And we drove back around and thanked everyone. Possible that we did went and visited them all, actually paid for the hotels this time and stayed with them because they become your friends. Like you genuinely become really good friends with them. And we went back around and did the route and said, look, enjoy the show. We can't tell you what happened, but thank you. And that's what we did. And we still stay in touch with most of the people that helped us. And yeah, they, people do change your life and you owe it to them. Like the, At the start, it's like make your family proud. By the end, it's like make the people that have helped you think it's worthwhile that they helped you get to the end because they've done so much for you. You owe it to them as well. The really weird timing is the fact that that was roughly when coronavirus started, wasn't it? Yes. So you guys were basically just a super spreader. (laughs) (laughs) We're the reason. No, no. But yeah, it's... So we've actually... I was saying this to Michael earlier. Me and Ben have not watched the final episode together yet. Still today. Um, One, because we still feel the emotion we felt when we watch it. Now, I still feel the same nerves that was when I was going to the toilet, very nervous, on edge. But you also remember how much it meant when mm. you got there. And like, I remember putting my head through the water and coming back out. And I didn't care that Dan and Haley mm. got married. I know that. Oh, and Gay, sorry. I didn't care. I cared if Ben was on the boat. And I remember looking at him and going, you're here. And it wouldn't have felt like I'd won if he was there. And we still get quite emotional watching it back because mm. you relive really mm. it all and you don't forget those feelings. So... I've only watched it twice, which most people look at and go, I bet you watch yourself on TV all the time. I go, genuinely, I wish I could do that, but I can't. Like, it's, it's so emotional watching it that actually we can't watch it back too many times. Mm. Quick question with you being a, a, like a super fan because you've watched it every episode. Yeah. So many times Aunt Michael and I have an argument about – would you we, we have never argued Michelle. anyone in <laughs> would you dob anyone into the hunters and anthony and i are very much no we would help them we would help all fugitives and michael's like mm, sometimes i might dob them in <laughs> you're making me Which sound side like are a you heartless on? bastard here michelle <laughs> well you yes yes correct <laughs> correct so rob which side are you right before you went on the show which side were you before on the show it always it always annoyed me when people dob people in, always, because I think they've worked so hard, you're not even guaranteed the money unless they get caught. So, like, mm. you potentially, not saying this is the only reason I wouldn't do it, you make yourself, like, do you remember those people that dobbed Lorenin in Scotland? Like, they wouldn't have got any money for that. Mm. They just looked like knobs on TV. So they yeah. just look <laughs> like dicks. That is what they look like. 
But I think my reasoning behind why I wouldn't, if someone was super nice and came up to me and went, I want your help, I'd help them and I wouldn't dob them in. If someone came up to me and just assumed mm. I would help them and wanted me to get them from A to B, weren't very appreciative of it, then I would be inclined to maybe go, maybe I would. It would be my answer. It's honest yeah. to me. Mm. Okay. That's my argument. You've not said that before. I usually <laughs> get shouted down by you by this point in the argument, Michelle. Let's be honest. <laughs> my general rule is that if someone came up to me and was really nice and actually appreciated it, I wouldn't dob them in. If someone was a horrible person or was just a complete arse generally, then, yeah, it's tempting to put the hunters on their back. Mm. Yeah. But I don't think we've ever mm. seen anyone who was even moderately successful on Hunted that wasn't a nice person because it's so important. Genuinely, genuinely, like if you meet people, that the idea, if anyone that goes on the show that listens to this, like if you meet people and just go, we need help, you've done it wrong. Meet them and go, like genuinely try to be friends with them, like make friends, then they're more inclined to help you and they won't dob you in. Going with the wrong attitude, you're screwed from the start, I think running the risk but I always yeah the dobbing in part is really difficult because I also look at it and sometimes like do you remember the taxi driver in our series that dobbed in Dan and Haley? you never know if that bloke really needs some money which is a really weird thing to say but a grand to someone is still a lot of money a lot of people look at a grand and go but they could win a hundred grand a grand to someone is like a paycheck for some people like you never know mm. if they actually do need that. So sometimes I'm like, if you need the money, then maybe, I don't know. But I wouldn't dob someone in unless they were incredibly rude to me. If they were rude to me, then I'd be rude to you probably, and I'd probably dob you in. Yeah, you yeah. don't dob someone in for the sake of dobbing someone in. You dob someone in if they're just not a nice person to you. Yeah, which is like, that's yeah. that's a fun. I can imagine how many people call in pretending they've seen people. I I did that for <laughs> was it series four I did that I think, for I think we all did I think it was in one year yeah, yeah. What, what happens when you call uh, I didn't call I sent them an email and they were just like oh can you give us more information and then never go back <laughs> I did it on a on an email address I don't use so they didn't know it was me imagine if you accidentally dobbed someone in without knowing where they actually were but you were correct with what you said <laughs> yeah imagine you were terrible <laughs> well I said to the boys. I want I want the the phone number this year because I'm going to ring from Sydney. Oh, <laughs> really not. Pull up and go. I've got two of your fugitives here. <laughs> They're under the Harbour Bridge in a boat. <laughs> Do I like you know on the Facebook group where all the people are um like the hunting one? They've all started posting like, if you're here, let me know. I'm here to help. With their address, like loads of stuff. You go. Don't say you're going to help on this chat. Don't do it. No. It's sweet. Literally half of HQ are in that in that group. Yeah. You know they're there. Like, <laughs> I had the best message when the show was on. Someone messaged me on a Messenger going, hello, I'm in Wales, by the way. Let me know if you want to come and stay. <laughs> I was so tempted to reply going, yeah, no, son, I'll come this weekend. She was expect- she'd expect like, like a full camera crew and stuff. Okay. Yeah, we've recorded it ages ago, but I'm just coming for a holiday. But I like the fact. It's so weird. It is, though. It is, like, bizarre. Once I find it, it's like so many people message you asking, like, let me know if I can help. Let me know. It's nice in a way, I suppose. It is really nice, but bless them that they think it's live. 
Sadly, I'm not on the run anymore. <laughs> Have you guys got anything else you want to ask? No, I, I think I got it all answered. No, this is this has been great. It's been really I've really enjoyed talking to you, right? I'm great. glad. Honestly, I'm in a very open book and I'm happy to answer questions. So if there was anything, I'm more than happy. I think it's important like like you guys, I sit on the side with you, I'm a fan of the show. So if I can help other people understand the show. To make them understand it, I'm all for it. I've got one quite time-specific question. Do you think it's coming home? Absolutely. I've got a ticket for uh, Tuesday for the game. Oh, wow. Brilliant. So I lost all my tickets with, uh, with COVID, and then they said because the capacity's gone up, they went, you've got guaranteed tickets. So I've got a ticket. So when I finish school on Tuesday, I've got to drive immediately to London. But no, I don't think football's coming home. I don't think it will, <laughs> I'll be honest. We've been dreadful so far. I'd go as far as to say it's probably good you've got tickets for Tuesday. <laughs> yes. I'll be amazed if we get through Tuesday. Yeah. Amazed. Absolutely amazed. For context, anyone listening, we're actually recording this in the one weekend when Rob won't be watching football. <laughs> in other words, right before the round of 16. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll be the last England game for a while, probably, the one coming up. <laughs> right. In that case, we shall wrap things up, I think, then. Thanks, Rob, for chatting to us. I love it when you guys chat to us. An absolute pleasure. I have honestly said to Michael for so long, I would love any time, especially when like the next series comes out, anything I can input in into what might be happening and what's thinking, I'm all for getting involved. That'd be great. Come and, come and do a weekly uh, insider's view yeah, section. It's, it's especially from what you guys say on the podcast, having listened to especially the last series, that when you're asking the questions... I know some of the answers are like definitely that might help like the understanding of why and what's happening. So but I love talking about it. I really do like talking about it and I love hearing mm. people that love this show. We'll just have Rob's out of context answers to last week's questions. <laughs> Can they do this? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely no context on him. Just yeah. have a voice note of Rob going. Yes. yes. Yeah, we could just go. And, and the answers to the yeah the, the things we asked last week are in the following order: yes, no, possibly, can't tell you. <laughs> I feel a running joke coming up. They're my favourite, by the way. I, honestly, like when some of the jokes you guys say, and I can I predict it before you say it. When I was listening to the podcast, I knew the comments that were coming. Every time you waiting for you to call Ben Owen what you called him, like made so much. My absolute favourite thing about that is the fact that it it's getting traction, him being nicknamed Sherlock. It appeared in the Radio Times. Did it? Yeah. yeah. But purely because they looked on Wikipedia, it's still on Wikipedia as Ben Sherlock Owen. <laughs> He's such a nice boat. We've actually messaged quite a bit since, but it probably hate me for laughing at the Sherlock comment. <laughs> <laughs> because I get the notifications for when we get DMs on Twitter I think it was the finale of your series I, I got the email to say Ben Owen has sent you a direct message and I'm just like oh shit he has listened <laughs> because we knew Danny had listened we knew Nick's listened in the past and it's like oh no we've never had any indication he's listened before this could be bad no <laughs> we know about the others Julie and, and all those you know the hunter like I can't even tell you how seriously they take it. Like, I remember, so when I got off the 
like boat and stuff like that once I won. One of them went, I went over to like, I finally like saw a couple of them because we yeah, managed to avoid them most of the time. And one of them shook my hand, like it was really nice of him. The next one went, I'm not shaking your hand, I'm fuming we've not won. I was, like, <laughs> I, was, like, I was a bit taken back by it. I was like, oh, uh, we don't like each other, do we? Is that a thing? I don't know, but I'm sure she's fine now, but it did make me laugh, like how genuinely competitive like it all is, like. It really struck me at that point how much they want to catch you. And That's like, brilliant. yeah, it is mad, really. I want to know who that was. Was that Danny? It wasn't it Danny. It wasn't Danny. No, it was, uh, it wasn't Steve. <laughs> I, I can picture her. But uh, there were only two hunters who were actually. Not Mark, Mark, no, and, Mark and who? Um, Michelle? Michelle. It might have been Michelle. Oh, I'm very sorry about my namesake. <laughs> You're fine, Michelle. But the other Michelle, Michelle was like, I'm not shaking your hand. I was like, well, I guess I'm not shaking yours then. <laughs> Still lost. Mark was really nice. Mark went, fair play, like you did brilliantly. She was fuming. I was like, oh, wow. I didn't realise I'd upset you this much, but I'm sorry for winning. I love Mark. Mark's, Mark's good. He's good value. Yeah, really good bloke. So, thank you for listening to this Hunted episode. We're back next Friday to begin Hunted UK Series 1. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube or Instagram where we are RTV Warriors. Or you can email us and contact at rtvwarriors.com. Anthony's on Twitter at Bullsboy. Michelle's Bear 3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-3-